Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back in another edition of the Prospects and Props podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner here with you. A happy Tuesday to everybody. Jamie returning from his short stint on the pup list was a game time decision. The man yesterday said, hey, ready to record. Let's go. 45 minutes beforehand said, dude, I got a migraine. I can't do the show. So we put him on the pup list. We said, okay, we'll we'll monitor. We'll see if he's ready to go for Monday's show, Monday's recording. And yes, he is here to record the Tuesday edition of the show. So... Because we missed yesterday's show, super, mega, expansive, uh, lengthy edition of the show, we're going to talk about yep. 87 different players over the course of the next however long no, this takes us. like 60. Okay, within the margin of error. We're going to talk about a lot yes. of players on today's show. So what we You get a two-for-one only- special here. You, you, you buy two shows, get one free. Actually, they, they don't buy any shows, actually, right now. All the shows are free. Uh, it's, Wait, they're not paying for this? No, the shows are always free, Jamie. I hate to, hate to be the bearer of bad news, but... Shows did you know free. this? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I get it. Oh. You're my boss. You tell me that the shows are free. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah, you tell me that's that right. the shows are free. Wait, uh, we're so not we'll, getting paid for this? Well, we're, we're kind well, of getting I guess paid kind for of. this, but not, yeah. just, but not directly. Okay. Not directly. Well, okay. What we were going to okay. do is we were going to do this into chunks. We were going to do like the from from the 65 to like 40. And then yeah. to, on today's show, we were going to do 39 to like 15. And that's that's how we were going to do this. And then, and then it all got blown up. So what we are going yes. to do instead here on today's show is we are going to do, and let me just make sure I have the numbers correctly. We are going to do 65 through 25 on today's show. Yes. 40 so names. flex options, yes. bench options, yes. deep sleepers, yes. handcuffs. That's all going to be here. And then we'll break down the creme de la creme, the RB1 and RB2s uh, on Wednesday's show. Sleepers Thursday show, takes on takes Friday. So we're going to maintain the schedule. You're just going to get like a double dose. Yes of prospects and prop actions. And who doesn't like double Ds, Chris? On that note, I will read the first chunk of players that we are discussing here today. And Jamie, I think the best way to do this is I'll go in chunks of of, of groups. So we'll go from 60 to 65, and then I'll go from okay. 59 to 50, and we'll stay in the similar number Yeah, of let's do that. And that's how Because we'll they're going to be tearing off players this late is just blah. So let's, it's like, not necessarily going to mean anything, so I, I like us discussing it in ten. So and then we'll we'll also probably have tiers within tiers as we do this. So that'll be a fun little conversation to ha- that we can break yes. out from as we do this. But we'll start, Jamie. The first a couple of names on this list: sixty-five Matt Breida, sixty-four Hassan Haskins, sixty-three Roshan Johnson, sixty-two Israel Abanikanda, sixty-one Kendra Miller, and sixty Ty Montgomery. Jamie, what I see here are a lot of RB threes. That potentially have some upside as some short-term RB twos, depending on their team situation. I, I look at Kendra Miller in New Orleans with Alvin Kamara's potential suspension. I look at Izzy Abandakanda as a potential fill-in for however long it takes Brees Hall to come back. Same thing can be said about Roshan Johnson in Chicago and Hassan Haskins in Tennessee as the RB three to Tajay Spears and Derrick Henry there in Tennessee. That's my big takeaway from this group: is these are the higher-end RB threes because I, there are pathways for them to see the field for their respective teams. 
Yeah, these these are all flyers. This is kind of like a pick your poison. Now, unless you're in a super deep league, odds are you're never going to even want to have more than one of these guys. But this might be one of your call your shot guys. Uh, you know, for me, let's break down each one of them, but very shortly. We weren't going to spend. We're going to do this for time, every but... single player. Forty player breakdowns coming your way over the course yes, of the next three hours in depth of the show. with yeah. with with hyper specific and obvious, but. A lot of these guys are projected, um, so you can check that out over on thedraftnetwork.com if you are a TDN premium member. But uh, Matt Breida, again, the clear backup to Saquon Barkley, who last I checked isn't under contract with the New York Giants right now. That is correct. has been a big, big topic conversation. Even if he is, does have an injury history that you have to consider. You know they drafted Eric Gray, but every indication from that team is that Matt Breida is their backup. So definitely somebody that's worth having, especially if you have Saquon Barkley. Hassan Haskins. Uh, I, I know Tajay Spears is going to get a lot of work, but Hassan Haskins is going to get a lot of the passing down work, and they take Derrick Henry off the field a lot on third down still. So he's somebody that becomes interesting. Roshan Johnson in the mix of that three-headed monster uh, in Chicago. Israel Banikanda, uh, this, is, this is a bet on how healthy do you think Brees Hall is going to be to start the season and how effective do you think Michael Carter and Bam Knight are going to be? Uh, I, I will not get Chris started on the Izzy Banikanda train, but just understand that. Kendra Miller, same thing. This is a conversation around uh, how long you think Helvin Kamara might be suspended. You know, Jamal Williams is still going to be the, the clear number two there, but – Kendrick Miller could be the number two there and get some work as well in that offense for as long as Kamara may be out for. Uh, and then and then number 60 is my guy, Ty Montgomery here, is a little bit of a, you know, right now he's 30 spots above ADP, 65 spots in ECR. Uh, just somebody that I'm just keeping an eye on. That's uh, a guy that could potentially get that third down role uh, in New England. Obviously, Ramondre Stevenson is going to get plenty of passing game work, but there is no real clear-cut option behind him. Ty Montgomery is that interesting hybrid player that I would not be surprised. Uh, maybe pops up in full PPR leagues as a guy that you might want to be interested in, but uh, all these guys are flyers. The next group of running backs that we're going to discuss here, and Jamie, I already have a bone to pick with you on a player ranked in this next group of players we're going to discuss. 59, Kyron Williams. 58, Kenny Gainwell. 57, Devin Singletary. 56, Zach Charbonnet, 55, Devon A-Chain, 54, Elijah Mitchell, 53, Gus Edwards, 52, DeAndre Swift, 51, Michael Carter, and 50, uh, Damian Harris. Do you mind if I lodge my complaint first uh, to start this tier? This is going to be about DeAndre Swift, isn't it? Because it has absolutely everything to do with the player that you have ranked 59th, Kyron Williams. I think this guy might be the starter by the time we, we get to the midway point of the season. Cam Akers didn't look very good last year. No, but I also don't think Kyron Williams has the ability to be a three down back. Uh, I do not think that skill set fits his physical profile or his athletic profile. Uh, I like him a lot. I like him as a complimentary piece. Third down back, uh, long down and distances, that sort of thing. Uh, obvious passing situations. I like him. Uh, I think he's somebody that needs to be – I want to say he needs to be rostered in all leagues. I say he needs to be in consideration with your final draft pick uh, across the board because Cam Akers wasn't very effective, does have an injury history, and – Look, the Rams are going to be pretty bad, and they might be throwing a lot, and, and Kyron Williams might make his way on the field. They're awful. I just worry Depth that – chart-wise, they're awful. I, I keep going through it with, with my projections here or my uh, positional ranking series. They're at the bottom of every list. They're not very good. This is a bad – this is a really bad football team. Like, and it's just like every time you look at it, it gets really bad. But, you know, even if, if something were to happen to Cam Akers, I'm not sure we wouldn't just see some committee with some combination of Zach Evans, Ronnie Rivers, and Kyron Williams. So I'm just not sure he's going to be the guy, even if there is something to Cam Akers, but definitely like him a lot. Uh, I, I mean, Zach Charbonnet at 56 is obviously going to be a, a topic of conversation as a rookie for a lot of people who are at this stage 
Um, I know for me, my my league is discussing when we're going to do our rookie draft here coming up yeah. pretty soon. So uh, it's it's a topic of conversation, I'm sure, amongst a lot of people out there in their fantasy leagues. And for me, Jamie, Zach Charbonnet, we know they're going to run the ball a lot. Um, I do worry about what they're going to do um, with Walker and Charbonnet, but I think there's opportunity here uh, for Charbonnet in this offense. Yeah, and we've seen Seattle and Pete Carroll use multiple running backs, and I've brought this up on several shows, so I won't go up, bring up the comparison again, but they always seem to use multiple backs in their backfield, really in the last five years or so. So I do expect Ken Walker to get plenty and plenty of work, but there will be work out there for Zach Charbonnet. They drafted him for a reason. My concern here, and right now he is 20 spots below where he's being drafted at RB36 right now, uh, and he is ranked as RB42. So I'm lower on both ECR and in ADP is he does have a clear cut top back in front of him. Mm -hmm. And and I think we need to be reasonable on expectations. And right now he is being drafted as an RB3 flex option for you. And I just don't think you're going to feel confident starting Zach Charbonnet really very often as long as Ken Walker is healthy. I think there are other flyers I would take before him. So uh, I'm a little bit lower on him than consensus. I know rookies tend to get pushed up the board, particularly uh, skill position rookies at running back and wide receiver, but uh, I'm I'm going to be cautious with him, cautious with Devin A. Chain, where I have one spot above him, where I'm 16 spots lower on than ADP. He's going uh, right now as RB39. I'm just not necessarily willing to take him in a spot where he might be my RB3 on my roster. I don't feel comfortable taking them there yet. And I know this is not going into your rankings, and you'll make the adjustment if this happens, but if the Miami Dolphins signed Dalvin Cook, Devon A. Chain might be off this list entirely for your top 65. Yeah, and, and that's – Four for this team. And that's the other thing. I haven't – like when we get into it, you'll see where Mostert is. You'll see where Jeff Wilson is. I, I can't I can't project this offense with Dalvin Cook yet because he's not there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there have been – with all these free agent reports, we always think we know. I remember when DeAndre Hopkins was going to sign right away and all of a sudden we're still sitting here and we have no idea where he's going to go. So uh, if it happens, when it happens, I'll make the adjustment. Uh, but right now, I'm a, I, I was – this ranking does not reflect them signing Dalvin Cook. Um, before you get to your next player, Chris, I, I want to point out one that it's probably going to get a lot of uh, anger from people. It's DeAndre Swift. Uh, he was um, one of the two players I was going to bring up. Yeah, ranked at 52 for me. That's 29 spots below his ADP, 27 spots below his ECR. It's not that I don't like the player. And for those longtime listeners of the show that might go back to the TDN fantasy days, you know that Chris and I have had some really interesting conversations about DeAndre Swift. My concern is it's a very, very crowded backfield in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And if anybody feels overly confident at any plow, any single player in that backfield is going to be used, they're lying to you unless they actually work in that building. Uh, when Rashad, I, I am of the mind of, in my best educated guess, of that when everybody is healthy, that Rashad Penny is the lead back there. And I agree with that consensus, yes. Kenny Gainwell is going to get passing down work, as will DeAndre Swift. And I think it would not be shocking to see DeAndre Swift on the field with another one of those running backs used in a different way. But I I am not willing to draft DeAndre Swift as somebody that I I am for sure believing is going to get a significant percentage of the work because I just don't know that he's going to get that yet and this is one of those ones where a few times i'll be like hey i am okay being wrong i'm okay being wrong here i'm okay passing on deandre swift as the rb 23 which is where he's going right now i just i i am not willing to bet that he's for sure the lead back there 
when he's in the competition with Rashad Penny, who they spent plenty of money on, and Kenny Gainwell, who has been there and might take away some passing game touches. I'm intrigued by him. I love this from a real-life football perspective. But also remember, this is a team that didn't run the ball as much as they should have with their running backs last year. You look at their overall rushing numbers, but with their running backs. Ask Miles Sanders if he felt like he ran enough in that offense last year. So my concern is is it's, it's a lower running back rushing volume than you would think, and it's a heavy competition backfield. I'm not drafting DeAndre Swift as an RB2, which is where he's going right now in fantasy drafts. The player that I want to talk about, Jamie, is a player that I don't disagree with the ranking. I just think it's a fun conversation to have of where he ends up on this ranking because I totally agree with the methodology of where the range that you have him, and you're even higher uh, than, than, than the consensus on him is Gus Edwards in Baltimore, because I think we look at this offense and we think there's going to be more passing volume for them in 2023, which in turn means there's going to be less running volume for them in 2023. And I think the person that affects the most is not going to be J.K. Dobbins because he's going to be the lead back and they're going to try to feature him with those now new limited touches with their running game. I think Gus Edwards is the guy that's going to be hurt the most here. And so for a guy that was probably a trendy, decent RB3 flex option for you in 2022 and probably the last couple of years, I don't think he feels as as a as much of a top yeah. candidate at that group as he has in recent years. Yeah, this kind of puts him in almost like handcuff or flex territory. Right. I mean, I mean, quite frankly, I, I don't want either Baltimore running back. Um, I agree I, with your take. I don't. I don't. I think the idea of and I know this is not the player. I know I've gone off on a tangent here, but the idea of J.K. Dobbins has always been better than the NFL player J.K. Dobbins. Um, and I know there was some heavy touchdown volume that played a part in that conversation, but, uh, you know, to me, I, I, I think Gus Edwards is one of those guys that, you know, if JK Dobbins is out or limited is somebody that you're going to look at on the waiver wire and you're going to want to pick up and possibly consider for a flex spot on your team, particularly if you have a multi multiple flex positions, but yeah, in years past, I felt like he was really underrated and I thought people were giving JK Dobbins all the credit, despite the fact that Gus Edwards was getting almost as much work in that backfield or, or whomever the RB1 was at the time. This year, he's kind of just a guy for me, which is where, where I kind of have him ranked here at RB53. Anybody else in the 50s tier that you'd like to discuss before I read the next tier for everybody? No, I, I think we've everybody else in this tier is either a backup or or you understand why they're they're in that spot. We, we get into the 40s, and I think what you're going to start to see emerge are some really high Wait, end. Did, did, did you read the names? From I don't remember if you actually read the name in the last section. I know we talked about it. I'm sorry, what are you asking me? Did you read the full list of names? From the 50s tier? Yeah. Absolutely. You just don't listen to anything I say. Did I just listen to you? Yeah, you just don't listen to me. Yeah, it's fine. Um, uh, The 40s tier is where we go next, and I think the theme you're going to see emerge here are the higher end on the depth chart, not in fantasy, but in the depth chart, the high end RB2s for their respective teams with some upside to get some decent carries. At 49, we've got Jalen Warren, 48, Chuba Hubbard, 47, Tank Bigsby, 46, Corderell Patterson, 45, Deonta Foreman, 44, Malik Davis, 43, Tyler Algier, 42, Travion Williams, 41, uh, James Cook, and 40, Jamal Williams. Jamie, the player that I would like to start with that I'm surprised you're higher on this guy ADP-wise. You're higher on this guy rankings-wise. I'm surprised he is this low in my mind. But I guess you're going to tell me too many cooks in the kitchen, too many people in the running back room. Cordero Patterson is the name yeah. for me that I'd like to discuss because on the merits, you look at a guy who's very, he's a very good runner, but also provides some value in the passing game. 
But yeah, they did just draft Bijan. And yes, Tyler Algiers is a very capable RB2. And th- of course, there are going to be limited touches to go around. There's a, just a cap that we're going to be able to put on what they're going to be able to do uh, from a production standpoint. But I'm just surprised that he only clocks in here as RB46. Yeah, and he's in the 60s uh, in ADP right now. I still think there's some value here because the way Atlanta is going to use their team, and, and sure, you're going to, the vast, vast majority of those touches are going to go to Bijan Robinson and to Tyler Algier, but what's stopping the Falcons from using Cordell Patterson more like a wide receiver? They're going to need to. Take a look at their depth <laughs> like, Take a look. It, yeah, it's Scotty Miller, Matt Collins are the guys that are right behind Drake London. So, like, I, I actually I had done this projection more so expecting him to get a little bit more receiving work uh, than – I guess what drafters would have. Again, I'm not over the moon to, to draft Cordero Patterson. No, is he year, a high-end RB2 in fantasy? No, but I, I still think there's some value as a flex. Yeah, he's absolutely worthy of being drafted. And and, and right now where he's in the RB60s, that's not, you're not necessarily getting drafted at that spot. I yeah, do think I just, he deserves to be drafted in all leagues. I agree. I, I agree. And that, that's one of the names that I wanted to discuss. Uh, the, the, I mean, the two players in this tier that you are wildly different than everybody else in terms of ADP and even in the ECR rankings are Malik Davis and Travion Williams. So uh, I'll give the mic over to you, Jamie, if you want to talk about one or both of those guys that you sure. are vastly higher on than everybody else. Let's talk about, uh, look, we'll talk a little bit about both of them now. And I, I want to say some of it for our sleeper show. We'll get really in depth, but to me, I, I look at these guys as let's look at Malik Davis. First is, is Tony Pollard going to get 250 touches? No, no, it's not going to happen. And they're going to use multiple backs, even with uh, Kellen Moore, not there. Sure, Tony Pollard's the clear lead back. He has he's in no danger of losing that role. But they're going to use another back, and until and unless they bring in a Dalvin Cook or somebody else of that nature that's been talked about, Malik Davis was the guy last year when one of one of the guy when somebody was out to be that RB two, and they like him a lot. He's got a little he's a little bit spry. He's got a little bit of skill set. Again, not somebody you're going to likely start on a weekly basis, but it's somebody that in the right matchup, in the right bye weeks, or if there's something that happens to Tony Pollard, is going to be somebody that's going to be in that flex consideration for you. Uh, again, somebody that's going now close to RB or RB79 uh, in ADP. Uh, to me, the clear backup for a guy that is still unproven as a full-time starter on a, on a high-volume offense, this really surprises me. Now, if, if this is because people anticipate they're going to bring back Zeke or they're going to bring in Dalvin Cook, okay, I, I get that. But right now that hasn't happened. And again, Dalvin Cook can't go to four teams. You know what I mean? So like it's, some, he's, it's one of these places he's not going to be. So that's somebody that I'm absolutely willing to, to work on. Uh, Travion Williams is a really interesting one. And disrespectful. To, it's disrespectful well, to Chase Brown. Th- there is this assumption that Chase Brown is just going to come in and be the RB2. I'm, me, I'm not me ready to buy that, that assumption. Yet. Yep, I'm the guy. And you and I will let's we'll save out that discussion uh, for the the uh, spoiler alert. Today. Chase Brown is going to be one of my sleepers when we get to that episode of the show this week. That's why I want to save that for the <laughs> debate. But uh, we'll save Cincinnati RB two for that debate. But uh, Travion Williams is a guy that's getting no attention right now uh, that I think absolutely deserves some. Jamie, uh, we are uh, uh, into the forties here on your list, and two of the four starting running backs for the Buffalo Bills are on this list. James Cook here at forty one. We already mentioned. Uh, Damien Harris back at 50. So halfway through the, you know, halfway through this list, we've got two of these Buffalo running backs. They're all just yeah. guys, but here they, here we go. The guy that I think has the best upside in James Cook all the way down here at 41. Yeah. I, I mean, he's, he's got the most upside, but he's also the most limited in terms of his role. 
And I, I don't know if he's going to get the full role. They also gave, I mean, it's going to annoy everybody, but they also gave Latavius Murray a not insignificant amount of money. No, he's going to, and I, they <laughs> so, have Naeem Hines. Like, I don't know what this is going to look like. I have no idea. Next, and it's a team that doesn't run the ball a lot. But and they don't have run the ball to. a lot near the goal line. But they're going to have to. If they continue They've to do. They've been saying that for two years now. I know, and, well, and guess what? They haven't been able to break through and in they the playoffs haven't. because they can't run the football. Well, when they do it, we'll see. I'm not going to bet on them to do it until they do it. This is why you and I are down on the Bills this year. Well, it's all because at the end of the day, they got to do what's what helps them win. And when push comes to shove, and I don't think this Bills team is as good as the last couple years as Bills teams, they're gonna they're gonna put the ball in Josh Allen's hand, both to throw it and to run it when they need to. Mm -hmm. Like that's what they're gonna do because he still gives them the best chance to succeed. And so I I really honestly don't want any part of Buffalo's backfield. Don't want it all. Somebody else can be somebody else's problem. Into the 30s for this next tier, Jerome Ford at 39, Khalil Herbert at 38, Brian Robinson Jr. at 37, Jeff Wilson Jr. at 36. Now we're getting into those RB3s, Antonio Gibson yep. at 35, Cam Akers at 34, Jarek McKinnon at 33, Rashad Penny at 32, J.K. Dobbins at 31, and Isaiah Pacheco at 30. So we... In the middle of this of this tier, we get into those RB3 candidates for you in your fantasy leagues. And Jamie, there's a lot of guys here that I, I can I can picture great seasons. I can see the pathways for them being decent RB2 options. I see a lot of RB1s on the depth charts for their respective teams. Isaiah Pacheco, J.K. Dobbins, Rashad Penny, Cam Akers, Brian Robinson Jr. I see a lot of RB1s here, but I just don't know if I trust a lot of these offenses to run the and ball enough for these guys to be useful. It's that, and it's also like, to your point in this tier of, you, you can visualize success, but you can also visualize it blowing up in your Oh, I could, I could see Cam Akers as the RB1 being a catastrophic failure for the Rams this year. I can see J.K. Dobbins not getting the running volume or getting hurt again that we, you know, and that being a complete disaster. And, yeah, And that's like, if we go one by one here, I think, because there, there, there are a couple I would call... Maybe not a couple sleepers, but us. Uh, can, can I tell you my favorite it. person in this tier? Yes. It's Jerome Ford at 39. That's the guy. There you go. That's what I was going to talk about. And I know he's a sleeper. Um, he's a guy that we're going to discuss in the sleeper show, but this team has built themselves on using two running backs, Nick Chubb yes. and Kareem Hunt. They, Kareem Hunt walked out the door and everybody went, ooh, they're going to sign somebody in free agency or they're going to draft a running back. Well, guess what? The draft went No, they by. did. They no, they drafted Jerome Ford with this purpose. Like this, this Kareem Hunt leaving Cleveland has been on uh, for a while. Like they've mm -hmm. been trade talks with him dating back to last year. Jerome Ford was always going to be the Kareem Hunt replacement. Like this was the long term vision. Now that doesn't mean if there was some great option for them available in free agency that they wouldn't have pivoted. But this was always the vision. And again, Kareem Hunt's fantasy value has really fluctuated during his time with Cleveland where there's times where he's like, man, we can play both Cleveland backs to points last year where it's like, man, like it, it's a struggle putting Hunt in, in, in the flex spot. But I do think Jerome Ford as, as the primary pass catching running back in Cleveland, an offense that we expect hope is better than what we saw at times last year. Uh, hope at least if you're a Cleveland fan, He's a guy that I absolutely would want to take a flyer on late in my drafts, whether it's best ball or regular, uh, somebody that I know is not going to be in contention to start my lineup week one, week two, week three, but could absolutely in the middle of the season be somebody I'm playing consistently in a flex spot if he shows that. Everybody else here is also kind of in this, like, there are other guys. Uh, you know, like, 
You look at Khalil Herbert. Okay, well, there are other guys. Deonta Foreman, there, uh, Roshan Johnson. You look at Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson, who are right by each other. I think Gibson, as a receiving threat in this Eric Bieniemy offense, might actually end up being a little bit better than Brian Robinson, who's going to get most of the on-the-ground carries. Jamie, for this. I'm going to use one. I'm going to use one. Okay, call and timeout. Tell me, tell me how, tell tell me what how you cannot how you could vision right. You're sitting here, we're yes. recording this on June 12th, 2023. Yes. Tell me that you can't envision Antonio Gibson providing a similar value to what Isaiah Pacheco gave to the Chiefs last year with Eric Bieniemy. I mean, I, I think they're going to use differently, but I understand your point in terms of fantasy value. Like where right. I feel like Antonio Gibson's going to get, it's going to get carries, but I think he could be a really interesting receiving threat um, where Pacheco was pretty much all just ground and pound, you know, the way they right. used him. He didn't catch a lot of passes, but yes, I could see him maybe not being the Jarek McKinnon. Cause again, Jarek McKinnon is the other extreme to the other Correct. side, but I could see him being more involved. And quite frankly, look at it. Like from the way they're talked about Antonio Gibson this offseason is markedly different from the conversation we had last offseason where it was like he's fumbling all the time. He's going to lose his job. He's all this other stuff. He's not going to get the running that the, the running work he would have gotten like he did a few years ago. But he's – or I should say two or three years ago. But he's still going to get plenty of work. I think he's still, still got the receiving upside more so than, than Brian Robinson does. So I'm intrigued by him. And he's somebody that – Again, I have him ranked right around where he's going, so it's not like there's. But I think he's a, somebody that could outperform his ADP. You know, Jarek McKinnon and Pacheco are both in this category, and kind of the same reasons. Like, I like Pacheco a lot, but there's also concerns of like, do we really trust? There's just going to be one dominant running back for Kansas City, or they're going to mix and match guys. Jarek McKinnon has come on, came on late in the season last year is a much better pass catching running back than Isaiah Pacheco is. So I start to wonder if well, what is his value going to be, but he's also a guy that didn't show up till halfway through the season last year, uh, lower on JK Dobbins than normal Rashad Penny's here. And, and I think he's, he would be the first Philly back that I take, but he's in this conglomeration of a mess and he's got a long-term injury history. But when he plays, he gets a lot of volume. Cam Akers is here because I don't really like, can being here like he's 34 i'm way lower on him than his ecr i'm way lower on him than his adp because he's, he's like one of those guys who's just not for me this year he's a he, from an adp perspective he's an he is a back-end rb2 candidate and i just have a tough time getting i him. can't go into the season with him as my rb2 i just can't no he I can't I, he I would be I, I have no problem with him being my first man up off the bench but yeah that's I, fine i cannot have him in a starting spot to start the year you know and that's why he's ranked at 34 like if he's if he's my third running back on my roster, I'm fine because I still think there's potential upside there, and the downside doesn't hurt you as bad. But I can't go into the year with him as a starter, and right now he is being drafted as the RB22. We have like six more names to read here. Yes, before we capped, we we get to our cap of the top 24, which will be the RB2s and RB1s, which we'll do on tomorrow's show. So we're into the 20s. Samaj P. Ryan at 29, A.J. Dillon at 28, Javante Williams at 27, Rashad White at 26, current free agent Dalvin Cook at 25, and that is where the list stops. I cannot read any further. It is, is top-secret information for me to read any further uh, here on this list. We will do so on tomorrow's show. Uh, Jamie, I'd love to know why you hate A.J. Dillon so much and only have him as your 28th-ranked running back. Um, I don't hate AJ Dillon so much. I actually, if you if you see that little little nugget there, Chris, that I'm actually higher on him than consensus. And I just love AJ Dillon. I'm an AJ Dillon um, truther. I like him a lot, but he's going to be splitting touches with with Aaron Jones, and he's somebody that 
has always had the he being AJ Dillon, uh, somebody that's always had the potential for more. And I think we've seen flashes, and he's he's been better as a pass catcher uh, in a smaller sample size recently. But Aaron Jones is still going to be the RB one there. Uh, I fear that the Packers are going to be losing more games than we're used to seeing them lose, which might mean more passing work for for Aaron Jones, who is the best offensive weapon they have on the team. Like, let's just be honest. He's the best offensive weapon they've got on the team. So I think you're going to see a lot of work with him. Dylan's still going to get his, but I think you're going to be more touchdown dependent with A.J. Dillon than you are going to be with, with Aaron Jones or even some of these other guys that are in this group. So that would be my concern where I think he's going to have some weeks where he really hurts you if he's not in the end zone and then some weeks where he scores and you're like, damn, I wish I should have started him. So he lands here in this, you know, anybody in the top 30 running backs is really like, in consideration for being a weekly starter for you like this it, he's now in the consideration with your wide receivers for that flex spot in uh, half ppr leagues last year uh, jones went he, he scored 17.6 points in week one and then didn't get into double digits again until week 12 but then he went on a stretch of five games in a row in which he provided you double digit value at the position so that kind of boomer bust nature that jamie's talking about that you could see it in the way that it played out last year again started the year great but then again, didn't get into double digits until week 12 uh, and then went on a little bit of a run uh, to close the season out. Uh, Jamie, uh, I, you, you kind of split the difference here with Javante Let's Williams. Talk about Denver. Yeah, yeah. And with Javante Williams too. and Samaj P. run, you have it 27 and 29 respectfully. Um, mainly that's because we don't know when slash what Javante Williams is going to look like when he returns from this injury. Samaj P. Ryan probably will get the workload. You kind of have to yeah, factor in that they're – they're kind of keeping eye on Dalvin Cook, and if they bring him in, that will probably change the equation a little bit. But for me, Jamie, I think this is an incredibly fair way to look at this because I think looking at the, I, the way that I see this is it might just be an even split when we when we fast forward to the end of the season and we look back at the numbers. It might just end up being an even split in terms of the way the numbers bear out. And so having yeah. them just outside of that RB2 conversation feels, feels fair to me. And, and so to me, I – projected Javante Williams to miss six games this year, whether it's because he starts the year on pop or some combination. Um, again, this is not a standard ACL injury. This involves other ligaments and it's a longer path to recovery. And even when he gets back on the field this year, every study that has been done on this will tell you that it's going to, he's going to be significantly less effective this season than what expectations would normally be for his skill set while he continues to recover from that injury. So Javante Williams is somebody that uh, because of his upside and because of his style, particularly for the back half of the season in the fantasy playoffs is somebody that I'm willing to take as a high end RB three flex option because of that. But the running back you want to start the year is Samaj P. Ryan. And they, they gave him a significant amount of money. We have seen him fill in successfully, can do a little bit of everything, uh, is a type of back that is very clearly liked by Sean Payton. And you can see his the kind of mold that he has fitting in with those New Orleans offenses. Um, to me, I think he's somebody that deserves a little bit more love. I think Samaj P. Ryan is going to be in a number of starting lineups for the first month of the season and is somebody that is still going to get work when Javante Williams comes back. So... Uh, to me, I if you can get both, awesome. I know drafts don't always work out that easily, but I Javante Williams is a gamble, man. Like I love the talent. I always love the talent going back to North Carolina, but it's a gamble. Like that knee injury for twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, would it shock you if he doesn't play until October? No, 
When's I don't think he's going to play until October. And then you're going to get less production at the beginning. Just right. So you're going to miss. You're going to miss four games, and then the first probably three or four games back are going to be more than likely not what we we yeah. kind of come to expect. So now now you're at eight games. You basically half the season. Can you afford as a fantasy manager to punt on half half the season on a guy that is probably going to be drafted in the RB two range? I can't get yeah. there. There's too many. I, I, there's too many question marks for me. And then that's even like even if you guaranteed me there would be no re-injury. Like whenever he gets back on the field, let's say put him on pup list and guarantee me no re-injury the rest of the year. Like this is kind of where I'd put him. Like right. I just I new offense. So there's just a lot of a lot of factors here that concern me. Jamie and, and I I'm gonna use Chris. one. Oh, okay. I'm gonna use one. Because I want to ask you about a different player. Okay. Do you are do you, I do you have any concern at all ranking Rashad White as high as you have him for a team? That might be down in a lot of games and might be throwing the ball a lot late. Yeah, because that's why he's there. Okay. See, that's why I asked the question. Yeah. Um, Rashad White is obviously known for being a, a pass catching running back. And I, I do have concerns about Rashad White as a bell cow runner. Uh, I do not think that's going to work for him. And I, by the way, they don't have that player on the roster right now in Tampa Bay. But, um, I just love the potential catch up side here. This is a bad team that's going to be down in a lot of games and there's really no competition for him. It's Chase Edmonds. It's Keshawn Vaughn, like Patrick Laird. Like there's not competition for touches in that backfield. And even if they're down 20 points at halftime, they're going to dump it down to him a bit. Like, and also let's be realistic. This, this team is a walking soft tissue injury at wide receiver. They got great talent at wide receiver, true. but every single one of them has major soft tissue, multi-year injury history to back that up. Uh, I I understand the concern here, but I am not draft. I can pull my projections here, but I'm not drafting Rashad White with the expectations that he's going to be running the ball all down anybody's throat. I, I'm drafting Rashad White with the expectations that uh, he's going to be a key, like. Here, here's what I have him right now. I have him only about 800 rushing yards but I have him being a 52 catch 400 yard two touchdown receiving threat. And that's what you're paying for. And I wouldn't be surprised if those numbers are low. Like again, even though he's got no competition in the backfield from anybody whatsoever and is going to play on all three downs, you're not drafting him to be a thousand yard rusher. Cause I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, I, I'm excited to see what he can do with probably plenty of opportunities to catch the ball in that backfield. Uh, last player I want to ask you about, Jamie, uh, this t- RB25 spot for Dalvin Cook feels like the ultimate placeholder. Feels like the ultimate, we're just going to put him right here, wait till see where he signs, and then we'll make an adjustment from there. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to do a completely different uh, stat projection for him. Like, I only had the projections from him when he was going to be the lead back in Minnesota. Now, depending on where he goes, changes a lot. And again, if he ends up in Dallas or if he ends up in Denver or if he ends up in Miami – are three very different potential workload options, three very different offensive lines, different offensive schemes. So he's just kind of sitting there in that spot to me. Um, I know that doesn't help anybody that's drafting right now, <laughs> but I, I mean, I'll put it this way. If he, if he lands in, in, in Dallas, I think that RB 25, 26, 27 range is where he'd be. If he lands in Denver, I think he'd be right in that same spot. If he lands in Miami, I'm taking him as an RB two. So, so you move like, him up to like the you know, nineteen twenty. Yeah, and, and I have to go look and see. But my, my initial reaction is, and again, I have to redo the projections, is that Denver or Dallas, he stays in this range as low end RB two, high end flex. Miami probably puts him into the mid to upper level uh, RB two range. 
That's it. We went through running backs 65 through 25. Tomorrow, it's running backs 24 all the way up to the number one guy. So your RB2s and your RB1s and your fantasy leagues, we will get to on tomorrow's show. We greatly appreciate you stopping by, rating, reviewing, subscribing to the podcast, all things that help us out here on the show. Please share the show with a friend, coworker, loved one. Greatly appreciate that as well. Helps us in the algorithm very much. You can watch us on YouTube, the Draft Network YouTube channel. You can see the video version of the show. You can help us there uh, as well. Subscribe to the Draft Network on YouTube. Give the video a thumbs up, all that good stuff. And if you want to see the video version, you've got that opportunity as well. We're back tomorrow. RB's 24 through RB's 1. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Schubert underscore. You can follow Jamie on Twitter at Jamie Eisner. We appreciate everybody stopping by. Appreciate everybody making this show a part of their day. Everybody have a great rest of your day. We'll see you all tomorrow. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.